Why is God so angry? Isn't the Bible full of contradictions? How could God allow so much science just proves the Bible? Good. How can the how Bible can say the earth was created in six days? How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? Good morning and welcome to The Daily. We're at a point in the Bible, in the Old Testament, where God's patience with the Jewish people is kind of at an end. Now, He's lost His patience with them before, uh, and we can read about that, but this time they have tested His patience to the utter end of what God is willing to give them. He has journeyed with them out of Egypt and into a land that He has shown them. He has given them rulers, judges, and, and kings. And what we've seen time after time is that the people stray away from God, and then they call out for mercy, uh, and they repent, and they carry on with Him for a while. But it seems like during this time of the kings, uh, king after king after king, for the most part, is, is evil and is just not leading the people in a godly way. And God had warned them at the very beginning that they would suffer if they abandoned Him and their relationship with Him as their God and their Deliverer and the one who would make their path straight and would bring blessing to them and to other nations uh, throughout the earth. Right at the time of the Ten Commandments being given to them in Exodus chapter 20, God tells them, you must not worship other gods. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. And God went on to say, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children to the third and even the fourth generation. Uh, and in Leviticus chapter 26, uh, he writes a little more in detail about that. Moses does as God gives him this message. Uh, this is God speaking to them saying, however, if you do not listen to me or obey all these commands, and if you break my covenant by rejecting my decrees, treating my regulations with contempt and refusing to obey my commands, I will punish you. I will bring sudden terrors upon you. I myself will devastate your land, and your enemies who come to occupy it will be appalled at what they see. I will scatter you among the nations and bring out my sword against you. Your land will become desolate, and your cities will lie in ruins. And for those of you who do survive, I will demoralize you in the land of your enemies. You will live in such fear that the sound of a leaf driven by the wind will send you fleeing. And you will run as though fleeing from a sword, and you will fall even when no one pursues you. Though no one is chasing you, you will stumble over each other as though fleeing from a sword. You will have no power to stand up against your enemies, and you will die among foreign nations and be devoured in the land of your enemies. And those of you who survive will waste away in your enemies' lands because of their sins and the sins of their ancestors." You know, as we've been uh, looking on the news at what is going on in Afghanistan and see the terror of those people, think of the terror of the Israelite people as God left them in the hands of their oppressors. It's what he writes about in Leviticus chapter 26, hundreds of years before it finally happened. In 723 BC and in 586 BC, both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom were overrun. First the northern kingdom by the Assyrians in 723, and then in 586 the Babylonians conquered the southern kingdom and Nebuchadnezzar carried the people off into captivity for 70 years until Ezra and Nehemiah uh, were led by God to take the people back from Babylon into Palestine. Tough message, isn't it? Uh, what's the lesson in it? 
I think the lesson for all of us is that God, too, has limits to his patience. And when his patience is used up, he allows judgment to come upon us. And he acts to discipline those who have rejected his love for them. Now, Israel, as I've already said to you today, rejected him many times over the hundreds of years that he walked with him in the Old Testament. Think of the golden calf right at Sinai when the Ten Commandments were being given. We've looked at that a few weeks ago. Think of the judges that God provided for them, but they just kept turning away. Think of the kings who followed the time of the judges. And again, evil kings who turned the people's hearts away from God. Um, so God disciplines. He allows discipline to happen, usually at the hands of, of foreign oppressors in the Old Testament. Now, why did he allow this if he had promised them so much? Well, we've already read why. Because in Exodus 20, he tells them, I am a jealous God. I am jealous for you. And because I am jealous for you, I will discipline you so that you will come back to me. Because he loved them, God disciplined them, assuring them that following the discipline, he would restore them out of his love and care for them. And we're going to see in the next few days that God's love actually was provided for them in both the discipline and in the returning them to the land that he had promised through Abraham. Again, in Leviticus uh, chapter 26, he goes on after talking about how he will discipline them and how they will be carried off and how they will live such fearful lives. He says this, But at last my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors for betraying me and for being hostile toward me. And when I have turned their hostility back on them and brought them to the land of their enemies, there's the judgment, there's the discipline, then at last their stubborn hearts will be humbled and they will pay for their sins. And then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land, and I will remember them. I will not utterly reject or despise them while they are in exile in the land of their enemies. I will not cancel my covenant with them by wiping them out, for I am the Lord their God. And for their sakes, I will remember my ancient covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of all the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. You know, in many ways, it's a bit like parenting, isn't it? Uh, you know, we, we discipline our children in order to break their will, um, but we don't want to break their spirit. Their will needs to be broken so that they will grow up understanding what is right and wrong, uh, following the path of goodness that as parents we have planned out for them. Uh, but to do that sometimes takes harsh measures. And uh, in order for us to learn, sometimes God allows harsh measures to happen in our lives. He certainly did in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel. Here's the truth about God I want to leave you today. He disciplines those He loves. God disciplines those He loves. Uh, and the writer of Hebrews uh, makes this very clear. In chapter 12 of Hebrews, it says this, Do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when He rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those that He loves, and He chastens everyone He accepts as His child. So, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their parents? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. You're not true sons and daughters at all. God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, that is for sure, isn't it? But painful. 
Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and a peace for those who have been trained by it. You've heard me say before that, you know, you can live in the pain of discipline, sometimes in God's discipline, or you can live in the pain of wishing that discipline had taken place because you didn't change. Your life wasn't transformed, and now you are living in the pain of regret for all the choices that you made that you did not walk out of having learned that they were the wrong choices. God's discipline is there to help every single one of us. And so in verse 12 of Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Today, God knows that you and I will fail Him. I have failed God many, many times. I know that you have failed Him too. We are human, and though we are redeemed by Jesus, those of us who know the Lord have had our sins forgiven, and we have been given the Holy Spirit, and we are learning how to follow Him better each day. Like children, we continue to need the Lord's guiding hand and His hand of discipline at times. And His discipline today is often connected in the role that His Holy Spirit has in your life. You see, it's the Spirit of God that convicts us of the sin we willfully commit. And in our hearts and in our minds, we realize, don't we, that we are grieving the Spirit of God. You know, it's not so much that bad things happen to me when I sin, although that occasionally does happen. It's that I grieve the Holy Spirit. And like King David back in the book of Psalms where he says, you know, God, restore your spirit within me because I, I can't eat, I can't sleep. I, I, I grieve all day over the fact that I've uh, not followed you, God. The Spirit of God does that in the life of a Christian. And some of us can live for a long time in this grieving of the Holy Spirit, but eventually, for most of us, it catches up to us. That is the Spirit being grieved. And having God's Spirit grieved within us leaves us feeling empty, knowing that we have hurt our Lord Jesus Christ and have grieved His Spirit within us. And like King David wrote, we find ourselves being eaten from within because of our sin. Now, Jesus promises us that as we confess our sin, He gladly forgives us and tells us to go and sin no more. And in the Gospels, we hear that. Jesus would, would say to people, uh, your sins are forgiven. I do not hold these things against you. Go and sin uh, no more. And so today, uh, if you are struggling, if you are struggling with perhaps a besetting sin, something that you are finding hard to to walk away from, you are committing it over and over again, or perhaps you simply are living in a place where you have grieved the Holy Spirit and um, God is disciplining you through that grieving uh, emotion that you know is, is just eating at you inside, then the Lord wants you to come to Him and confess your sin and to make things right so that He can again walk in deep fellowship with you take you into all of the things that are waiting for you on the path that He has for you. I believe that often, you know, on the path, God sometimes just waits for us to kind of get over the things that we are struggling with so that we can then carry on the path with Him. It's not that God kicks us off the path, that He doesn't throw us off a cliff, He doesn't walk away from us, but He will not lead us into what He has for us until we get ourselves together for the rest of the journey. 1 John 1 puts it this way, he says, if we claim that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and are not living in the truth. We will sin until we die. But, verse 9, if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness and unrighteousness. So, how are you in your relationship with Jesus today? 
Are you confessing to Jesus your sin as it happens, keeping short accounts with God? Are you thanking Him for His wonderful forgiveness in Jesus? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit's voice, calling you away from your sinful behavior and into the glorious light of His Son, our Lord, where you will find rest and peace in your life? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for loving me so much that you provided a way out of my sin through Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, thank you that you live within me and when I, uh, when I, when I sin against you, you let me know that you are grieved by that. I have hurt you and you call me back in the forgiveness that Jesus offers into a deep fellowship with yourself as the Holy Spirit, with Jesus as my Savior, and with God as my Heavenly Father. Lord, for all of us who know you, may we keep short accounts and may we walk with you well. And may you continue to discipline us as your sons and daughters because you love us that much. We thank you. We want to walk with you today. Amen. Lord be with you today.